fucking hell. You gotta believe. Be a goldfish. And whatever Nate says. That's right. We watched season one of Ted Lasso, so you know what that means. It's in the basket. Writer's bagel basket. David, do you take Patrick? Everything is going to be all right. I was thinking maybe the king and I. Uh, how about Oklahoma? I don't consider myself a particularly ethical person, but I am fair. Don't be mean. We don't have to be mean. Because remember, no matter where you go, there you are. Hi, welcome to Rangers Bagel Basket. I'm Scott Kurland, and this is our belated Father's Day episode. And we're talking about Ted Lasso season one with my dad. Hi, I'm the belated John Kurland. Don't say it that way. That's <laughs> messed up. <laughs> so we watched Ted Lasso, which is a show that I got you into. Yes, thank you for that. You got to talk into the mic. Thank you for that. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so... Why don't you give us a synopsis of what season one of Ted Lasso is about? Well, basically a, uh, a college football coach who coaches second division football uh, gets an offer and a position as, uh, as a coach uh, for a poor soccer team in, in, in England. Yeah, they're, they're Premier League. <clears throat> right, but they're, they're sort of at the, at the bottom of the barrel there. Mm-hmm. And, uh, no, no, they're not. We'll talk about that. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> um, and uh, you find out that the owner is the ex-wife of the former owner who hates her husband, her ex-husband, and she's hired Ted Lasso uh, because she thinks he'll fail at the job. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah, the show was created by Jason Sudeikis. It was created as short commercials for... NBC Sports for, yeah, they were little shorts. And then back when Sudeikis was uh, with Olivia Wilde, now I'm sad, <laughs> but uh, he wanted to do something with this character and he decided to turn it into a movie and no studio wanted it. And he contacted Bill Lawrence, who created Scrubs, Spin City, um, among other shows, and he's like, this could be a TV series. So then they turned it into the, him and Brendan Hunt, who played Coach Beard, turned it into a three-season series, which the final season is going to air later this year. So the entire premise was about toxic positivity and when positivity can be too much. No? You just no, 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 I'm not... Uh, <clears throat> I mean, the impact that Ted Lasso has on everyone in the show is is remarkable. And initially, he comes off as sort of uh, too much in your face, you know? <clears throat> hey, Jamie, what would you rather be, a lion or a panda? Coach, I'm me. Mm -hmm. Why would I want to be anything else? I'm not sure you realize how psychologically healthy that actually is. Mm. Cheers. He does. He, he does come off as being really sort of uh, right there at you and 
<clears throat> and it is slightly off-putting. No, it's not. Oh, no, it's, it's a little. Not. It is a little bit. No, it's not. <clears throat> but he's so charming. He, he, he is. He's so charming, and he's got this folksy way about himself that um, he endears himself and motivates. And that's what his whole thing is. I mean, he said that he doesn't care about wins or losses. He cares about people. The people. <clears throat> and them being the best versions of themselves. Which, by the way, if you're uh, in Richmond, England, and Richmond is your team, you don't want to hear a coach say, I don't care about wins or losses. Apparently they had to contact Buckingham Palace because the Richmond area is in the Queen's territory. <laughs> so, so basically this is a show that's been approved by the Royals. There you go. Um, yeah, so the character of Ted... Like, Sudeikis apparently is like this in real life with everyone. Really? Um, he found out there was a film critic who was interviewing him for Where the Millers. And he found out that the guy's dad just passed away. And he he had recently lost either his dad or a family member. And he wrote the guy, like, a three-page letter, very heartfelt, and saying, if you ever need to talk, I'm here for you. This is a celebrity. This is a famous person. Like, apparently, this is who Sudeikis is. And it just, I love it. I love Jason Sudeikis. Oh, no. He's, he's remarkable in this. The, the, the whole cast is terrific. And uh, Do you know who his uncle is? No. Who's his uncle? George Went. Really? Yeah. Jason Sudeikis' uncle is George Went. Norm! How's wow. life in the fast lane? Oh, I can't find the on-ramp. Well, I, I never would have guessed in a million years. Yeah. Uh, Sudeikis was telling a story on Ellen that growing up, he had a crush on Ellen, and he talked to his uncle, who was famous at the time, and he goes, I don't think she's going to go for you, pal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, Sudeikis uh, wrote the show and produced it with Bill Lawrence, and Bill Lawrence has a way of doing this with TV shows. Like, he brings out whether it's Spin City or Scrubs, he has a way of bringing out the humanity in the heart. And the reason why we're doing Ted Lasso is because over the last couple of years, especially during pandemic, he became like America's TV dad. Yeah. No, the, the popularity of the show is remarkable considering it's on, uh, you know, Apple Plus. And it's like it's their only show that really does well. So... When they found out that Sudeikis is like, we're only going to do three seasons. They're like, great, fuck. <laughs> I think it's also the supporting characters because originally um, the role of Roy Kent was written for someone famous. I don't know if it was like like Clive Owen or or someone of that stature. But, like, they weren't getting the types of actors they wanted for the role. I think they wanted Matthew Good, who plays Ozymandias on, um, in the Watchmen movie. Right. Um, I think they wanted him, and, like, it just wasn't selling. And Brett Goldstein is like, yeah, let me have a fucking shot at it. <laughs> like, oh, he doesn't remarkable. sound like that in real life. And I always end up with my watch being stolen or a story in the press about how my penis has a curve in it. Does it actually? No, I just make it feel like it does with my hips. Anyway, the point is, I'm trying to do this differently. I should have told you that. I apologize, and I am trying to be more honest. Well, he's he's um, he's great in this. Yeah. He's, he's 
he's probably my favorite character. The funny thing is, Haley and I have talked about how we're very much like Keely and Roy, except she's Roy and I'm <laughs> Keely. <laughs> I love Keely. My two favorite characters are Keely and Roy. Followed for the longest time, I loved. Um, I I no Coach Beard is still up there, but yeah, I lo- I love Higgins. Yeah, Higgins is okay. Oh I my! Mean, yeah, no, Higgins is fine. I H- mean, and his cat Cindy Crawford. <laughs> um, <clears throat> it's it's such a well written and well conceived uh, show. Uh, the first time I saw it, I didn't. I didn't have the um, subtitles on, and they just talk so fast, and there's a lot of Brits talking, and I know I missed a lot of the humor, but the second time I saw it... You watched uh, it with the subtitles. I watched it with the subtitles, and I was just laughing out loud at some of the things that they said that I completely missed, completely missed. I I love the fact that they kind of take the premise of Major League, and then they make it instead of her still being a villain at the end, like, you realize that Rebecca is not the bad guy. She is in pain, and there is no real bad guy until season two. Right, right, right. uh, Spoilers for season two of Ted Lasso. Fuck Nate. (laughs) (laughs) But I was talking to Haley about this, and Nate kind of shows his colors from the very beginning. Because when when, uh, Coach Beard and Ted arrive... First thing he does is he's yelling at them to get off the... the well, he didn't know who they were. He f- it doesn't matter that he's showing his colors right away. I just thought he was being protective of, of the, the sacred turf that is the, the pitch. But right away when he thinks he's getting fired at the beginning of the season finale of season one, there is a new kit manager, that young kid, and right away when Rebecca walks in, he calls her a shrew and starts like belittling her until he finds out like so that nature is within him right i i think that that was born out of insecurity i think he was a tremendously insecure person um because his dad right i mean uh the suit that he originally wore um to go to that event the fundraiser yeah was was his father's and it didn't fit properly and and uh ted you know got him a suit and and it changed his whole attitude, and he was always afraid to give his opinion. Um, he had very low self-esteem. Yeah, and then he overcompensates, and he becomes the villain. Of- oh, no, no question about it. Yeah, I mean, like, we, you have two different spectrums. This is what Ted Lasso does. Every character has a mirror character. Like, you have, you have Nate, and he's been treated like, shit by his his biological father and takes a shine to ted and then turns into an asshole and then you have jamie who starts out as an asshole because he's abused physically and emotionally by his soccer hooligan dad and he ends up becoming a better person thanks to not just ted but roy keely even coach beard yeah he still refuses to acknowledge that he he likes roy at all um no, season season two he acknowledges it. Right, but I'm only talking about season one. Yeah, I know. Um, I mean, at the very <laughs> dad. En- at the very end of of season one, uh, uh, Jamie Tart, who who was 
he was the young superstar of, of Richmond. Mm-hmm. And he's very selfish, very self-centered, and he's got the, the hot girl as his girlfriend, which is Keeley. Yeah. Um, played by Juno Temple. I love Juno Temple. Oh, she was great in this. And she said the show saved her life. No. Yeah. She she talked about her depression and how she wasn't getting the roles. And if you've seen her earlier, Oeuvre, she was always playing either the sexy girlfriend or the girlfriend who's just there to have sex or the sex pod. And she hated it. Right. And then she met Sudeikis and they saw how charming she was because originally she was supposed to be kind of like a Victoria Beckham style. And then she comes in and she's all bubbly and she's like one of those West End girls who's like, oh, hey, how's it going? Like like the other Spice Girls. Right, right. No, but but uh, um, <clears throat> Jamie Tart is, is, you know, just very selfish. And, and one of the things that Ted Lasso is trying to teach him is that soccer is a team sport and you don't try to score every goal yourself and passing to the open man is is key and in in he doesn't do it until the he, last game yeah well while he's with richmond he doesn't do it and then he's he's basically uh uh returned to manchester uh city and and uh uh whom he was on loan to to richmond I didn't know that that was a thing until I saw the show. And and uh, so at the very end of of the uh, the the key game, um, he shows that he 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 has learned that lesson that Ted Lasso taught him. And I don't think he understood that he was learning a lesson. Oh no! But but then the very next scene that you see him in, his father is both physically and verbally abusing him about passing and that he had the open shot and he should have taken it himself. And at the very end, he gets an envelope that was handed to him by what, Nate or Coach? Uh, it's Coach Beard. Yeah, Coach Beard hands him this envelope and he gets on the bus uh, to leave Richmond <clears throat> and he opens it up and, and it's a note from Ted which said, you know, it was a great passing to the open man and there's a little plastic. And it also said, I, th- I, think you, I think you need this. Like, I think you need some protection. And it's the little army man. Yeah. I mean, I, so all of the characters. Oh, I totally forgot. One of my favorite characters on this show. Besides, I mean, they're all great. But Sam. Sam Obasama. Oh, so, he's great. And, he's and uh, Danny Rojas. Oh, yeah. Football, football is, is life. <laughs> and then in season two, football is death. <laughs> Yeah, really. But I, I love Higgins in him naming animals. I could watch him name animals all day because um, Macy Greyhound and Tina Fayhound <laughs> and Cindy Clawford. I liked when he was when he was sort of fired briefly from He quit. The, yeah, well, but yeah. He, he and and uh, uh, Rebecca, who is the ex wife of uh, Anthony Head. Yeah, Rupert. Rupert from uh, Buffy who is the one character who is always... Absolutely unlikable. Yeah, except that he's so damn charming that everybody who doesn't know how despicable he is loves him and gives him every break. And that's why I love the line that Ted says to her at the date auction episode. He goes, you know, a lot of people can't see right through him, but I do. And I see that you're the good guy in all of this. And, like, that's why... 
when like the next day or the next episode and she sells uh Jamie back to Manchester I love that that episode ends with um him revealing that he's the one who's been baking her the biscuits the entire time like the way that he bonds with Rebecca is he bakes her English shortbread every morning right and she thinks it's coming from some bakery and she's spending the first like four episodes of the show trying to figure out where they're coming from right at first she didn't even want it and then she tried no, she, it she wanted it right away because wow. she it, told him she didn't want it. yeah and then he opened it and she goes oh those do look good and i love her reaction to eating it and then his face when she goes fuck me and he goes hmm the um the the transformation of Rebecca is is great, and there's there's some really you mean very, from going from Rebecca back to Stinky. I love that her nickname is Stinky. Right, right, but but basically, you know, she's get, she's she's inherited via a divorce this football club, and and she, all she wants is to get revenge against her ex husband who loves the club but now has no say in it. And and she's still very, very insecure about everything. And the media in, you know, the, the backstory is that the husband used to run around with all these women. Yeah, and, and, and the coach was, both the coach and Higgins were kind of keeping it from her. Right. But, but the media loved him so much that but they made her the villain. They made her the villain. And that's that's the thing. I mean, uh, this is one thing that the media has always done, and it's such bullshit. They they vilify the person who's being cheated on. And and it's not the first time it happened. I think this is supposed to mirror when this happened with Elizabeth uh, Hurley and Hugh Grant. Well, even even Hillary Clinton. Yes, I know, but but from the British standpoint. Right. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. Because everyone took Hugh Grant's side. And then years later, they're like, oh, maybe he was a piece of shit. <laughs> um, which- but, but Keely points out, uh, you know, to... to uh, the, the relationship between Keely and Rebecca is, is very interesting. They're like sisters. Right. But initially, they were from two totally different worlds. Mm-hmm. And, and Keely is... Just so charming and bubbly and, and, and adorable. Yeah, well, she, that's why I also love Keely because she also respects Ted. Because her first encounter with Ted, what is he doing when she first meets him? Like one on one, just the two of them. Are you talking about when they were ha- when he went to visit her and, and she's eating the hamburger? No, no. Um, the that, very first time, um, he's in the locker room. Oh yeah, and he's covering up the naked picture of her to, to oh, yeah, give yeah, her that, some dignity. Right. And There's a topless picture of her and he's putting black tape over her. When she sees that, like, that's that's the effect Ted has on people. And I think the best example... So my two favorite episodes are Biscuits, that's episode two, when you see him introduce the Biscuits to her. Um, and I love what he says. I brought you some Biscuits, or where, where I'm come from, cookies. <laughs> I mean... But I'll call them biscuits, but you wouldn't want to slather gravy on these. <laughs> right. And and then the other episode is darts. Oh, yeah. The the darts episode, I think, is probably one of the greatest speeches I've ever heard in my life. You know, Rupert, guys have underestimated me my entire life. 
And for years, I never understood why. It used to really bother me. But then one day, I was driving my little boy to school, and I saw this quote by Walt Whitman. It was painted on the wall there. It said, be curious, not judgmental. I like that. So I get back in my car, and I'm driving to work. And all of a sudden, it hits me. All them fellas that used to belittle me, not a single one of them were curious. In a TV show. Like, it's up there with, like, a Jed Bartlett West Wing speech that Martin Sheen would give. Like, Well, it's, it's an interesting situation where um, uh, the backstory is that... Um, uh, what's Mannion's first name? Is it Rupert? Rupert. Right. Rupert, who is Rebecca's ex-husband... Uh, he's got a new wife who's also named Rebecca now, and he can't own any of the shares of the club, but his wife can. Fiance. She says fiance. Oh, That's fiance. That's a loophole because oh, she's the, not married to him. I got it. So it's a fiance. Um, and, but she can, and he bought her some shares of the football club stock. From the Milk Sisters. Right, from the Milk Sisters. Oh, gosh. and Oh, and my God. Did they expire? <laughs> what? <laughs> I just love Rupert's reaction when he's making the milk puns. Um, uh, and and he's, he's basically saying to her, now I can sit in the owner's box every game, and there's nothing you can do to stop me. And when they put the camera on me and ask how I think you're doing, it will be relentless. Oh, yeah. And that's when Ted basically decides to hustle him, which this is a move of brilliance. Like, as someone whose favorite genre uh, of movies is, like, heist con men movies, I I knew right away that he was hustling him, and I, I just love... The entire buildup, the whole, oh, you know, uh, I'm not really into darts. I'm more into cornhole. I mean, you guys take your darts seriously. And what's that game that kind of sounds like a box of cookies? Snooker? <laughs> yeah. And, 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 uh, uh, but, but the way that it all unfolds from the very beginning where she's mortified, she, Rebecca, and she's, she's upset and Rupert's pushing every one of the buttons he knows that's going to get to her. And Ted basically puts him in his place. Puts him in his place, and he's going to play with the the darts that the, that are at the bar. You know, he's going to be playing with the bar darts. And then and Rupert, Rupert opens up his little. He's got like a little case, and he opens it up with his yeah, custom made darts. Only a douchebag does that. Only a douchebag carries around his own darts. Right, but but. The point is, well, first of all, we know he is that. Right. But he also seems like the type of person who has driving gloves. <laughs> <laughs> but the bottom line is that he is going into this bet because the bet was that... If Ted wins, he has to stay out of the owner's box for as long as Rebecca is in control. Right. And if Rupert wins, he gets to pick the the starting, starting lineup, lineup for the final two games of the right, season right which which would which was perfect for Rupert he he would love to have the control because he thinks that Ted is a complete buffoon he's mm-hmm. a joke um, which by the way is the thought of most of the people and and the, the nickname for him was wanker they always called him a wanker and Rupert call, Rupert goes one step forward uh, one step past that and calls him a hillbilly right which is such bullshit. But so in any event, he's not from Beverly Hills. <clears throat> so so Ted Lasso 
starts, you know, before the game starts, when they've made the bet, he says, you know, people always underestimate nope. me. You are way off. Okay, go no, ahead. No, he, he says, he says, I forgot I was left-handed. And he throws the dart and gets a bullseye with his left hand. Right, right. But it's when it's at the end of the game. He asks what else. Oh, yeah, when there's, when there's yeah, he three asks, more. He's got three more darts that he yes, has to do. He, need, he needs to get a, three, two doubles and a bullseye. Two triple 20s and a bullseye. Right. Okay. I have seen this clip a lot. I bet. <laughs> um, and Rupert's response right away is, good luck. Like he, yeah, he has no, he, he no like completely underestimates him. And that's when he goes into the speech. Which I'm probably cutting that clip right here. And I realized that they're underestimating me. <sighs> Who I was had nothing to do with it. Because <laughs> if they were curious, they would ask questions. You know? Questions like, have you played a lot of darts, Ted? <laughs> Which I would have answered, yes, sir. Every Sunday afternoon at a sports bar with my father from age 10 to I was 16 when he passed away. Being curious and not judgmental is, I mean, until I saw that episode, I never realized that I'm that type of person who like gets really upset when, when people underestimate me. And I was very much like Ted. And then, like, hearing that and realizing what he's saying is true, like, last couple of years, that's really helped me. Like, being like, oh, it's not me. It, it's them. It's, you know, them underestimating me has nothing to do with who I am as a person. So why don't I just continue to try and be optimistic and try and have a good attitude? But not only is, is, he, is he going to embarrass Rupert by winning the, the dart match, but he basically uh, attacks his entire approach to dealing with people by saying, you know, if you're curious, you would have asked me about my background. You would have known that I play darts and that, that you know, uh, until my father left me and, and... His father didn't leave him. His father died. Well, Which, he, that becomes a huge... This is why this show is brilliant, because it buries that that seed right but he keeps talking about his father leaving him that people leave him and no he doesn't he says until my father passed away when i was 16 i heard him say leave me passed i know he away. said that up until because the response from rebecca the look on her face well because because rupert left her yeah and that's why i think he used the word left when you know, or 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 he said when when people, he was referring to it in in the uh, in the hypothetical sort of when he was talking to the team. He at some point during one of his speeches to the team, yeah, he's talking about when someone you love leaves you. Yes, he doesn't say passes away. But in this speech, he said up until my father passed away when I was sixteen. Right, right. Because this whole thing needed to set up that that seed and in Ted's character that he has this PTSD and this is why um cuz you think uh from the way Ted describes the food in Kansas uh y you think that his father had a heart attack and you find out in season 2 his dad killed himself and Ted overcompensates and this is why he wants to be a father to everyone because he wants to not give up on him the way he feels his father gave up on him Right, everything, and, and and his 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 human empathy is just off the chart because 
he just transforms everybody. I mean, he's he's yeah, and that goes into the next thing is the scene with the darts with Rupert mirrors a scene that already happened in the season with his dinner with Trent Krim at the Indian restaurant. Oh yes, and like Trent, Trent is basically like the opposite of Rupert, where he gives off this. He he's the curious one. Uh, Rupert is the judgmental one because. Well, see, I think I think that Trent was being judgmental initially until he got. But he still asked questions. He did. Right. He did. But but when he first got up there, you know, Trent Krim from the Independent or whatever. Yes. For me, success is not about the wins and losses. It's about helping these young fellas be the best versions of themselves on and off the field. And it ain't always easy, Trent. But neither is growing up without someone believing in you. Let me ask you this. Is my tongue still in my mouth? Because I am about to hallucinate from all the heat here. I really should go. Deadlines and all. Yeah, yeah, you got to do the work. I, I'll say this, though. I really enjoyed getting to spend this time with you, Trent. You actually mean that, don't you? And, and uh, he's a reporter. Mm-hmm. And he's basically tasked with writing a story about Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ted says, oh, well, we're going to, uh, to an elementary school. Yeah, and I love how he points out, and he's like, oh, isn't that a coincidence? And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's the thing about coincidences. You don't know when they're actually going to happen. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 but then they, they have that, that meal, and he's, he's so genuinely interested in, in Trent uh, that uh, Trent writes the story, which says, you know, this guy doesn't know anything about soccer, and, and he certainly got a way about him. Um, and I'm rooting for him. Yeah. He, 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 well, he basically says if he fails, I will, I will be sad or something along those lines. I'll be rooting for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, the thing that always gets me is you can see in the series when he wins over Trent Krim is when he does the whole speech about meaning what he said. He doesn't care about winning and losing. He believes in people. And then he says, I really enjoyed the time that I got to spend with you. And Trent goes, you really mean that, don't you? And he goes, I do. Yeah. Oh, no. He, he is and, just... and that's when he gets Trent on right. his side. Well, not only that, but when he's eating the... the he's never had Indian food. And, and he... I think it was, what, it was a cab driver or something? It, who... was, it was his limo driver. Right, okay. It was a limo driver. Um, and he, he... He happens to run into him and... Well, the, the limo driver, Ollie, said, um, you should check out my family restaurant that my father-in-law owns. And apparently he said that to everyone who's driven in his car, which at this point he's been a limo driver for like two or three years. So that has to be like thousands of people. And Ted is the first person out of a thousand rides who's actually taken him up on it. Right. So he shows up at this Indian restaurant. With, he's like, what are you doing here? With, you invited with, me. With, with Trent. And, and he's so excited that Ted Lasso actually showed up and and Ted has never had Indian food, and he uh, says, he, "Make it like we're part of the family." Yeah, yeah. And he basically says, "You know," he, he says, "I don't know what to order. Make it like I'm part of the family." And Trent is sitting there, and he goes, "That was probably not a very good idea." Yeah, he does. He says, "And and the food is so hot that that you know you almost could feel poor uh, uh, Ted dying inside while he's eating this food." But you know what? 
He's not going to disappoint this guy who drove him one time um, and embarrass him in front of his father-in-law. And he also says something when he introduces uh, them to each other. He's like, there you go. You just met someone really cool for the first time. Yeah. And that's how he believes in people. And also in that same episode, when he's coming home, the kid who... uh, the kid who he was signing the ball and he got blood on the, the ball meet uh, catches up with him with his mom and he basically asks how his nose is doing and the and Ted goes, Oh, it's so much better, buddy. Thanks for asking. It was great meeting you. And like he remembers the kid. And oh he, yeah. And oh. like that's the great thing about Ted is he remembers people. Also, I do love his one liners. I do love like when in that episode, she's like, well, Trent Krim is a tough cookie. And he goes, you know how you deal with tough cookies, right? Dip them in milk. Yeah. <laughs> and like, Maybe the milk sisters. Yeah. <laughs> Gross. Um, <laughs> but, but like, all of his one-liners, his, his, his jokes that he tells are definitely your type of jokes. But, 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 the, but a lot of them is just folksy ways of talking and, and making these weird... Um, you know, Midwestern analogy types of things uh, that, that, you know, I don't remember one of them to, well, to save okay. my life. But. So uh, I was watching the show so much uh, that basically one week when I was, you know, really tired, uh, the coffee shop I always go to, they're like, oh, hey, Scott, how you doing? I'm like, oh, I feel like a, a light bulb after a thousand uses burnt out. And like I was like, did I just do a Ted Lasso joke? There you go. <laughs> and like all the those sayings that he does, um, Ted, what would you say to a drink? <laughs> Same thing I would say to a date with Diane Sawyer. Yes, please. <laughs> like, and Diane Sawyer retweeted out and tagged Jason Sudeikis that she would happily go on a date with Ted Lasso. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's it, he's he's just such a folksy guy. And, and we didn't, we haven't talked talked about um, Roy Kent or a beard lot, or beard. Um, we've talked about Nate a bit, and and I don't think we have to go really too much into him. No, but I do want to talk about Coach Beard, and I want to talk about the fact that like he is like this Zen like coach, and then when he reaches his breaking point at the end of season one. In, in the Roy Ken episode, when he reaches his breaking point where he's like, no, you can't start him. People care about winning. I care about winning. This isn't like college Division One football. Like, these these people... D- division Two. Oh, they're Division Two. Yeah, they okay. were Division Two. It, it's not like Division Two football where, like, the, these kids will be okay. This is actual adults with jobs. These are their jobs. Right. And his speech, like, the whole season, he's just been going along with Ted with Ted and then he reaches his breaking point and I gotta say that his episode in season two uh Beard at Night is so good <laughs> that's he, one of the best episodes he's, he's sort of an an, an an enigma yeah character and and uh uh, the one thing that you see about him is that he loves to play chess, and he, and he meets and he up. He can do it. Yeah, he's without good. A board. And he and he yeah, and he he meets a girl, Jane, and, who she and, is one of the writers on the show. Oh, really? Yeah, uh, Phoebe Walsh. Oh, is no her kidding. Name. Um, she was good too, but uh, but they're playing chess, and uh, it gets to the point where 
he's so much more into the chess than into the girl that, you know, she just walks away. And, and, uh, um, <clears throat> and, and Ted says, uh, how's it going? He says, same old, same old type of thing. And she says, oh, the game was more important than the girl. And he goes, yep. <laughs> and, and then when, when Coach finally explodes that one time at the, in, the, uh, in, the, in, the, in the bar. Jane is Jane's basically... Playing, playing chess with somebody else. And she's kind of like giving him eyes like, like he basically has to watch her. And then when he blows up, she's like, okay, all right, take me home, please. Yeah, she says, that was, that was I, I don't know. That's she, the sexiest thing I've ever seen. Right, yeah. And he basically... Walks ends, out of the bar with he, her. He ends the game for her. He goes, she's been toying with you for the last hour. <laughs> oh, yeah, he takes one move and goes, checkmate. And he says, you've been, you've, she's been toying with you for the last hour. Um, and, like, he, that's the great thing about Beard. Now, going to Roy Kent in that episode, you asked me the moment when I realized Roy is a kind person. Or, like, he became my favorite person just from being the potty mouth, you know, soccer hooligan. But when I realized that there is a, a great sensitivity to him is when Ted is stumbling out of that bar in that episode, drunk, and he's about to get hit by a car, and he just politely puts his hand out, and he's smiling. And it's the Roy Kent smile. You never see a smile on Roy. You no, you see know. it once in a while. And when he does it, it like just lights up a room. Like Brett Goldstein, I mean, he's a man who looks great in a black suit. <laughs> And, and, and Roy Kent, the, the, the backstory about him was he was a major superstar. In uh, the late 90s, uh, early 2000s. And, and now he's lost his speed and he's, he's not the player that he used to be. And he's, he, and, and the, you know, they still, he's still a fan favorite because they love him. It's, it's sort of like... Uh, he's here, you, you he's know, there, like, he's every fucking where, Roy Kent. Right. He, he's sort of like Carl uh, um, Yastrzemski maybe at the end of his career that, you know, the Red Sox fans still loved Yastrzemski, but um, he really wasn't the same player. And, and uh, there, there's, there's a couple of scenes that, that really I loved about Roy Kent, one of which was that um, at the very onset, he, uh, Ted uh, buys a gift for each one of the players, and each player opens up it's the book. It's a book. Yeah, and one of them is an Orson Car- uh, Scott card book. Which I think that's so weird that he gives Ender's Game to Sam. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and uh, the, the one that he gives to Roy Kent is A Wrinkle in Time. And um, he goes, I, love, I love that Roy's like, what the fuck is A Wrinkle in Time? And Trent, Trent Krim is there. It's, it's that same episode where it's uh, Trent Krim shadowing them. He goes, it's a wonderful book about a young girl who goes on a journey of self-discovery. And he's like, you want me to be the little girl? And he goes, I'd like you to be. <laughs> and, and, then, and then much later on, they show him reading the book to his niece. Phoebe. He doesn't, yeah, he's not married. Um, he's uh, with Keeley. He, gets, he, he starts dating Keeley. Right, after she breaks up with, with Jamie Tart. And, and uh, he's sitting there reading the book, and he gets right to the end, and he looks up, and he realizes that Ted Lasso is right. And he looks up, and now there's this little girl who's, what, nine years old, maybe? No, I think she's, like, seven or eight. Uh, okay, yeah, well. Six or seven. Maybe, yeah. And, and uh, he finishes reading the book. You know, she's lying in bed, and he's sitting next to her reading the book. He reads it, he looks up, 
and he goes, fuck. <laughs> it's, it's like, it was like the light bulb went off. And, and number one, it showed that, that he was capable of self-reflection. Um, but it really showed his humanity that number one, he's reading this story that he really didn't want to read, but he's reading it to his niece. And and he the, is a really good uncle to her. Oh, he's great. I the, my favorite is in season two in the Christmas bad episode, breath. the bad breath one. But when he's like, "You can't be that bad," and he, she breathes and he goes, "Wait, Phoebe, I'm a monster." I've spent the last twenty years in locker rooms with men. I promise you, I've smelled worse. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Come on. I think you might be dying. But before that, my favorite line in that episode is um, when he says, we all have moments where we embarrass ourselves. And he goes, it isn't embarrassing. Embarrassing is me in so much ice cream at a birthday party, knowing I'm no good with dairy, that I pooped my pants on the bus. When is your story? Three weeks ago. Um, but, but Roy... Roy uh, I, I told Scott that, that the first time I, I the, the beginning of the first episode, he really was sort of off-putting. He really just he's looked supposed like to. he right, but he just looks like an angry guy, and you know he's just you know yeah. Uh, Brett but, Goldstein was on Sesame Street, and the promo um, image is they had him coming out of a trash barrel with Oscar the Grouch. <laughs> But in any event, uh, it, you really warm up to Roy Kent, and you really love the guy. He's he's a great. He he does a terrific job in in showing his humanity. Um, there's you know uh, Keeley is talking to him, and and Roy is despondent because he knows that that um, Ted is going to uh, uh, ben- bench him for the first time in his career. Yeah. Um, it the big game. The Manchester City game, he's going to bench him, and he's like really angry about it, and and he he's with Keeley, and his niece is is doing something. She's doing some sort of. She's uh, just coloring. Yeah, she yeah, and and he's telling her that you know all he knows is football, and everybody thinks about him all as a, as a footballer, and and so Keeley calls uh, her name's Phoebe, right? Phoebe. Yeah, calls Phoebe over and. And he, she says, Phoebe, close your eyes and tell me what you think about your uncle, Uncle Roy. Describe Uncle Roy. Yeah, describe him. And she, she tells, you know, what, what a nice guy he is. His beard how, is scratchy. Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of little stuff. But, and, and she goes, and I love him. And, and Keely looks at Roy and says, she didn't mention one thing about football. She, you know, yeah. so you just have to understand that you may think that everybody associates you with football, and but there are a lot of people in your life who care about you who don't care. That's not that important. I do love the line where he kind of throws shade at David Beckham, and he goes, what, I could go to America and I could dominate <laughs> like David Beckham. <laughs> um, uh, so I don't, I, I don't know. And, and Rebecca, let's talk about her just for a little bit. Okay. Um, Again, we started saying how, how she hired Ted Lasso for the absolute wrong reasons. She really comes off as, as sort of cold and, and, and uh, distant. 
But uh, it's because she's been hurt. Right. And, oh, no, and, absolutely. Absolutely. No question. Everything about her character, like, I just, I think she is secretly the strongest and most complicated character in the entire series because everything she has to deal with, because not only you find out in season two, but she also is dealing with the fact not only that Rupert cheated on her, but that that she caught her father cheating on her mother when she was 16. Right, right. And, like, that makes you realize that she's just questioning, is this just a cycle? Right, that- or, is, or is every man, right. um, uh, you know, of that ilk. And, and uh, you know, it, it seemed to me that between... Keely and Ted. I think Keely, Ted. Ted initially started to warm her up a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, when Keely comes in and she goes, "I decided not to be scared of you anymore." Yeah, and 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 they have the the talk about the um, uh, what what does Rebecca say? She Rebecca reveals that she had photos of her taken without her knowledge that the press got of oh, her yeah, right. sunbathing topless and Keely. Keely uh, wants to see one. Yeah, Keely wants to see him. <sighs> I was taken from a helicopter while I was sunbathing. Oh. Holy shit, Rebecca. Are those your real tits? I feel like a teenage boy. I can't stop staring at them. Where did you get those? My mum. I can't believe you. You stopped this from running. I would have shown everyone. Rebecca is is basically middle-aged. She realized that she wasted almost 20 years on Rupert. Right, that's and, for sure. But she was smart because she didn't sign a prenup, so she got everything in the divorce. Um, and I love how Rupert... I don't love Rupert, but I, I love how he thought it was necessary to point out the fact that she got the best of him because he lost everything. Well, well, the other thing is that, I mean, they set up all of these situations where... Uh, she's got responsibility, and she's trying her best to take on that responsibility. And Rupert does everything he can to submarine her. They, they, you know, she has this annual charity ball for the children, and he shows up, and he gets Robbie Williams to cancel. Right. It, well, yeah, but you got to say so. So what happens was she has a talent who is the big draw. He's, you know, it's Robbie Williams, and and uh, uh, they find out right before the event that he canceled, out of the blue. And so um, uh, Higgins has got to uh, find, uh, a find, new, find new talent. And every place that he goes, nobody's willing to do it. So obviously Rupert has interfered because yeah, everybody Rupert, loves Rupert, Rupert. Rupert says to Ted, oh, that's a shame. I'll call Robbie and see if he can drop whatever he's doing and, and come and help us out. And Ted goes, huh, the funny thing is, if you ca- could call Robbie to get him to come, you could have easily called him to cancel. Oh, yeah. And he, he goes, right that there. would make me an asshole, wouldn't it? And he goes, yeah, it would. Yeah, no kidding. But so so that the, the, they have this charity ball, and and uh, uh, so she's trying, you know, she's trying to... to uh, engage all of the hundreds of people there, very wealthy uh, people. And this is the first one where Rupert wasn't involved. Mm-hmm. So this is her first, and she says, you know, I really want to, to uh, raise more than the 800000 that we raised last year. But he, he's and all the of a sudden, one person who puts them at a million, which is... Well, but that's later. 
Yeah. So, so what happens is Rupert shows up, and now she's sort of mortified because he's sort of taking over. And she cedes the auction to Rupert. She says, Rupert, you take, take the auction um, because they really came to see you anyways. Mm-hmm. And she goes out, and she's very despondent, and Ted comes out to comfort her. And <clears throat> um, previously... You know, Ted makes friends with everybody in the street. Uh, people can call him a wanker, and he still is very gracious like, to them. like, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a little girl who's trying kicking around a soccer ball, and Ted plays with her. And there's a busker out there, very grubby-looking, and he's got the, you know, the guitar and the, the foot uh, symbols. And, and he basically looks like hipster Dick Van Dyke from Mary Poppins. If he was a hipster douchebag who had a kick drum and a changer pedal... <laughs> So, so um, all of a sudden, Ted Lasso brings this guy in as the new musical guest. And he kills. And he absolutely blows them away. And, and so he, he... He believes in people. That's right, the, right. Ted believes in people. And that's, like, that makes it infectious for Rebecca. And I love that that episode ends with her and Keeley, because uh, Keeley dumps Jamie in that episode, and they go get drunk in one of those... Uh, uh, bike cabs. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. And it's just hysterical that her arc, the love of her life that she finds is Keely. Yeah. And I hope, I, I know in season two they set it up for her and Sam, but I really hope that, as Jason Sudeikis said, I really hope Rebecca and Ted end up together. <sighs> It, you know, I think that that would be good. I think it's going to be too predictable that they I know. will. Well, they also set it up that he's with Sassy. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Her, her, uh, Rebecca's uh, best friend, Sassy. Best friend who calls her stinky. Yeah, and she calls her Sassy, and he calls her Sassy Smurf, and she calls him the Marlboro Man. Right, right. Um, and and I think that the other point is that, that we haven't discussed at all is that Ted went to England because his marriage was in dire straits. They and go- his wife asked for space. Well, no, the therapist recommended it. Right. That They went to counseling. The therapist said she needed space, so he went to England. Yes. But he was That's such That's not a- the space that the therapist meant. Right. But, but, the, 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 but he's engaged with his son, who, again, is about five or six, I would think, or maybe four. He's very Henry? young. Henry is like seven. You think he's that old? He's six or seven. In any event, but he's always on uh, FaceTime with, with his son, and he's always very engaged. Uh, his wife and son come up to see him, and they get to see a, uh, a, you know one of the soccer games. It's the, the first game they win. Yeah, it is the first game they win. Um, but, uh, and they show, he sh- they show him making a double-decker bu- bus with like Leg- Legos and... Mm-hmm. And they show how committed he is. And he feels really bad that he, he feels almost like he's abandoning his son. And, and, and she says you're not. Right. And, and finally, you know, she, t- she confesses with him that she wishes that she could find the love for him that, that she had at the very beginning, but she just can't anymore. And, and he basically eventually says... It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Do you know? Do what what you need to do, and 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 he said, and and he just, and then he says, you know, 
I've never been a quitter. And she says, you're not quitting. You're just letting me go. Yeah, and that's what... See, this is, this is the whole thing with Bill Lawrence shows. So Bill Lawrence did Scrubs. And the most iconic scene in Scrubs is when um, Dr. Cox, his best friend on the show, was Brendan Fraser. Um, and Brendan Fraser's last episode on the show, you find out that Dr. Cox was hallucinating the whole time to get one more memory with him and that Brendan Fraser's character died of leukemia. We talked about it on this podcast. Um, and the episode basically ends with the reveal that he was dead the whole, most of the episode. And Bill Lawrence is good at basically doing the gut punches. He, do, he did it here. He did it on Scrubs. He did it on Michael J. Fox's last episode of Spin City. Like, he really knows how to supplement the comedy with absolute devastating tragedy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. It, and, and, you know, um, it, it, Ted Lasso, I mean, his character not only is, uh, is, is he very sensitive, but he, he, he is definitely suffering from post-traumatic stress. Yeah, he has a panic attack while, they're, while she's singing Let It Go. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And 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 he has he has them occasionally off and on. Um, he only has one once in season one, but he has a bunch in season two. Right. Right. And and that's where it's revealed that the panic attacks. You think it's from him feeling like he's abandoning his family, but it's from the fact that um, that his father killed himself, and he doesn't understand why anyone would give up on anybody. And that's what led him to be this father-like figure to everyone he meets. And to me, Ted Lasso seems like the type of guy who writes emails to everyone he's ever met. If they reach out to him, he'll write an email back or he'll spend like 20 minutes on the phone talking to that person just to catch up. Yeah. Oh, no. He, he, is, he is the most empathetic person you could possibly imagine. Um, and, and in the second season when, when he's got the therapist, yeah. um, he really is sort of a therapist for her. I, yeah. I mean, Just, I, in, it, in the episode when she gets hit by a car, the therapist gets hit by a car and he's taking care of her. I love how he changes his voice. He does the voice where he's like, yeah, do you have any nausea or upset stomach? Like, <laughs> Um, no, it's, it, I, I, if, if Jason Sudeikis is that, is, is, is that character in real life, I'd love, I, you know, you know, you you know, that when they, they say to you, would you like to have a meal? If you could have a meal with anybody in the world, who would you like to have a meal with? I'd want to have a meal with him. I, I would love to have a meal with Jason Sudeikis. I would love to have a meal with Brendan Hunt. Um, like... So, one of the I'd like to have one with um, with uh, uh, was it uh, Brett Goldstein? Brett Goldstein, yeah, yeah. He's 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 uh, Brett Goldstein has an amazing podcast called Films to Be Buried With, where he interviews celebrities and tells them that they've died and what movies made up their life. And he had Bill Lawrence on. He's had Coach Beard. He's had Brendan Hunt on twice. And Phoebe Walsh, who plays Jane on the show, he's had her on a few times. And he is so charming. Like, the other thing about him is he is obsessed 
with the Muppet movie, and he thinks that Muppet Christmas Carol is one of the greatest movies ever made. Really? And like, I'm like, he is incredible. There's nothing you can say that isn't fantastic about him. Like, I, listening to his podcast, he's talked about loving The Godfather and Taxi Driver, and then he'll talk about Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, you are the greatest. I would just love to have a, a, a roundtable dinner with basically the entire crew writing. Crew oh, yeah. Of, because Brett Goldstein writes a good chunk of the episodes, too. Yeah. Oh, no. I, you know. He was a writer first. I, Maybe maybe 15, 20 years ago, I, I thought maybe having a meal with the ensemble of, of different shows would have been fun. But I, I think that this cast really, even, even Rebecca, Higgins, um, Nate, even Nate. <laughs> well, in real life, Nick Muhammad apparently is the sweetest man, and he really had, he did not want to be playing a bad guy in the end like he understood why but like he thought that season one nate nate the great was just you know so the the, the top the pinnacle yeah i mean because like he comes up with the name diamond dogs he he basically i'm wondering if they're gonna do in season three that that he tries to do the stuff that he did in season two with rupert and rupert destroys him oh that would be interesting. I think that's what's going to happen. But I just, I think this entire crew, Juno Temple is amazing. I love um, basically Danny and Sam. We haven't even talked about Danny and Sam. Oh, yeah. Danny Rojas is is so just, he's like a golden retriever at, as a human being. He's so full of life. He's so happy. Right. He's almost like a little kid. Yeah. He's got that joy. Yeah. And then Sam, Sam, I just think, is one of the most rational characters ever created. He's got a terrific moral compass, too. Yeah. Um, I love how he's like, oh, uh, uh, what does Higgins say? He's like, oh, what does Christmas mean to you? (laughs) And he says, colonization. (laughs) And he goes, oh, right. Um, no, Sam. Sam is is great. I, I mean, they really developed their those two. Uh, well, uh, Danny Rojas is. They, he he sort of comes on like what the, he's the, the fourth, fourth or fifth episode. Uh, yeah, whatever the curse episode is. Okay, yeah, he comes on, and uh, he's just so exuberant. He loves to play soccer, and to him, soccer is life. Yeah, football is life. That's why he doesn't own any pairs of dress shoes. He only wears, you know, athletic shoes. And, and uh, um, you know, obviously in the second season, there's a tragedy that uh, encompasses him that he takes very, very uh, seriously and, and it, it impacts his, his view on everything. For the so entire season, up until... The very uh, end, really. The very end of when he sees Macy Greyhound... <laughs> Um, and 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 uh, and Sam, I love how Sam starts out like basically a punching bag for Jamie Tart, and then he becomes the heart of the team. Oh, absolutely. There is. I I did really enjoy the situation where um, Roy co- goes into uh, Ted's office and basically says uh, he's got his little captain, um, you know, banner. And he's like, you need to pick a new captain, and yeah. throws it at him, and Ted throws it back. He says, No, I I don't. 
I says, insist. Well, the rules, the rules insist. He goes, I insist. And he goes, I decline. <laughs> and, and it's back and forth. And, and eventually, uh, Ted says, well, your job as captain is, is uh, officially not over until you name your successor. He basically and, made him right. name the successor. He didn't want to do it himself. But the line that comes after that is Roy says, you know you make it really hard to love you sometimes. And, and Coach. And Coach Pierre goes, oh, he loves you. Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I love also when Roy becomes an honorary diamond dog. And, oh yeah, yeah. And he's well, we like, have to explain who the Diamond Dogs the are. The Diamond Dogs are basically the support system to all the other coaches. Right. They're they're Higgins, Beard, uh, Nate, Nate, and Ted, and they all they're basically like a coffee group. Right. So when Beard's having problems with his girlfriend, they're talking about it. Or when Nate is talking, uh, when Ted is talking about his his issues, uh, they're, they're his issue is he slept with Sassy and he doesn't know how to tell Rebecca. Right. Right. And, and, you know, so they're all talking about and it. And, and the, Nate was, they wanted to have a name for their group. And Nate came up with Diamond Dogs. Because they're all, they're all hung over from winning. And Nate's puking into a bucket. Right. But, but basically, uh, in that same episode, what's his name? Uh, Roy. Roy comes in and asks for advice because Keeley, him and Keeley weren't dating he was brushing her off because you find out that he has a yoga group that doesn't know that he's famous, doesn't know he's a soccer player. Um, it's a bunch of 50-year-old divorcees who he does yoga with, and one of them, I think her name was Madge, was having trouble getting over her divorce. So they went out for crepes and uh, went to karaoke at, at a dive bar. <laughs> and Keely that, saw her. And, and so... When he brushed her off, Keely slept with Jamie, and right. Well, okay, but but, but Keely and Jamie broke up, and Roy and Keely were starting to get. They it. kissed. Yeah. They kissed once, and then she he brushed her off. Right. And she he went. She went back to Jamie. She backslid for a night with Jamie, and she explained to Roy that that's what happened. And he storms out and goes into the Diamond Dogs, and they give him advice. And um, that's when Coach Beard goes, uh, they're all giving advice. They're like, so were you ever official? No. And they're basically, the advice that Beard gives is, be a man, grow up, get over it. Right, right. <laughs> and he's like, is this what you guys normally do? It's pretty cool. And they're like, oh. <laughs> and, and And by the way, the scene between Keeley and Roy when he Roy comes in to apologize, the to independent her. woman. Yeah, the independent woman um, is 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 a classic because uh, you know she basically pretends that she's a reporter from all these different you know uh, the same magazine but different the online the Sunday insert right <laughs> like and I love how earlier in that episode they reveal that that. Who cares about gossip, as Roy said. He's like, one of my exes told a newspaper that uh, my penis curves to the left. Oh, yeah. And, and she goes, oh, my God, does it really? And he goes, no, I just do a thing with my hips. And she <laughs> goes, huh. And that's the last question. And she goes, uh, yes, Keely Jones, the independent woman online, what's that move that, that you do that makes it feel like? And he's like, that's enough. See you on the pitch. Yeah. That's, a, that's, a, that's a great scene. Um, 
I, I mean, there's so much wonderful things to say about this series. There's layers, there's subtext, and it's basically like he has become, it's only been, you know, three years of this show, and he's already become like this father-like figure to everyone. And it was the hope that, honestly, without a show like Ted Lasso, I don't know if anyone would have got through the pandemic okay. <laughs> well, if you don't get Apple+, Plus, get it just so you can watch Ted Lasso. And if you don't like Ted Lasso or some of the other programming they've got, then, you know, cancel your subscription. But I'll tell you, the money that you spend to see Ted Lasso is well worth it. You will get much more out of it. And you may want to wait until season three starts, which will probably be when? In September, maybe? I think they're going to hold off as long as they can. So probably end of the year. Oh, okay. Because that's their cash cow. They don't want this to go away. No, I understand. So anything else? Nope. How many bagels do you give season one? Uh, if I could give 14, I'd give 14, but I know the max is 13. You so. can do whatever you want. Well, I'm giving 14. Is that, is that a record now? Yeah. Okay. I'm only going to do a perfect dozen. Um, so, Dad, thanks for doing this. Oh, Scott, it's always a pleasure. Once a year, it's probably, from your perspective, more than enough. But <laughs> from my perspective, I, I'd do it every week if I could. All right. Love you, buddy. Love you too, Dad. So we're starting Stars and Gripes. We're covering all Val Kilmer all month of July. So tune in to Tombstone, which is also coming out the same week as this episode. So until next time, I'm Scott Kerlin. Bye. 